Hedgewick's World, the biggest and best amusement park there will ever be. Who are you? This planet is closed by Imperial Order. No need to panic, my young friends. We all know there are no more living Cybermen. Get down! Wander off. Take defensive position. Angie, Archie. The Discussing Network presents Discussing Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I am Kyle Jones, and literally, my brain tonight feels like it's in a nightmare of technical wires, mumbo-jumboing, internet connections, and they're all in the color. Guess what color they are? Anybody? Silver? Silver. Very good, sir. And who would you be, sir? You would be none other than Lee Shackelford. Lee, how are you? I'm really good. I'm glad to have, um, you know, my brain inside my uh, flesh and bone body and not to... Not preempted by machinery. Awesome. Glad that your brain is still within your body. And I would think if you didn't have your brain within in your body, that there would be somebody who would have the golden solution to our problems. And who would that be? Hmm. The gold standard himself. Wow. Am, am I the gold standard? You're going to have to live up to that now, you see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say I didn't say what kind of gold. I could have said paper mache oh, gold. But <laughs> oh, pyrite. See, see, there you go. Okay. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. No complaints. Just ready to talk this out, you know, with you guys. Well, considering the fact that, like I said, my brain is literally kind of wired together because I've been having internet issues for the last two hours. I'm just going to say for everyone listening, thank you for joining us because as Lee Shackelford likes to say, you didn't have to, you could have been doing something else. In fact, it's not too late. It is too late because we have (laughs) given them subliminal (laughs) messages. Not really, but you know, um, just saying, you know, maybe cyber, can we play yeah, this backwards? Exactly. <laughs> that you're going to keep listening to us because that means I get to say, if you have not seen Nightmare in Silver, put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, come back because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers. Affirmative. Spoilers. Spoilers? What spoilers? And I killed Sparky too. Alrighty, the spoiler warning has gone out, and we are quickly moving into the episode info. The episode being Nightmare in Silver, which was the 12th episode of the 2012-2013 series of Doctor Who, first airing on the 11th of May, 2013. It starred Matt Smith as the 11th Doctor and Jenna Coleman as Clara Oswald. So, summary view. Clarence Brown, I'll start with you. Summary view. What say you? Man, I really loved this episode. I really did. I love the portrayal of the Cybermen in this episode. Um, Almost like Super Cybermen. Upgrade, upgrade. (laughs) I just thought they were awesome. This this might be one of my favorite portrayals of them uh, in, in Doctor Who. So, really enjoyed that. I thought the kids were interesting. They weren't really annoying. They, you know, the they, they were spunky and cool, and maybe spunky isn't the right word. But <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they were, they were very interesting, and um, they weren't annoying. I guess that's the main thing I want to say. They weren't very annoying, and um, Clara was Clara, freaking amazing. Uh, I loved her in this episode, and Matt Smith had some had some very hard things to do in this episode, and I'm sure we're going to talk all about that. I remember distinctly that I didn't like this episode. And uh, so I sort of dragged myself to seeing it. And uh, this keeps happening, right? I said, hey, this is lots of fun. I wonder what my problem with it was. My problem with it was that I wanted it to be the doctor's wife. And we'll talk about why that would have happened. But uh, anyway, but yeah, all the things that Clarence said, this is absolutely my favorite depiction of Cybermen in all of them. 
and um, particularly the cyber mites, which I think we'll, we'll get to. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's just a great concept conception of the Cybermen and, uh, and with the triumphant return of Murray Gold's Cybermen theme, which I've always liked. So uh, just great all around. It's just a lot of fun. How about you? Well, you know, as usual, I will echo what both of you say, particularly Murray Gold, because I think Murray Gold could literally, oh, I don't know, maybe take a penny and run it, run it across like a accordion or something or a wire or something and make beautiful music with it, because I think whatever Murray Gold touches is music incarnate. So there you go, because I really mm. freaking miss Murray Gold. That said, yeah. I'm like you. I remembered this as being the eh episode, but I'm watching it going, this is pretty good. This is good <laughs> acting. Really this is good story. This is what did people have problems with. And I think... And Lee, I'm going to let you segue into my second point, the return of Neil Gaiman, because you said, I think my problem was it was not the doctor's wife. Yeah, exactly. And because Neil Gaiman wrote that and it was a big deal that Neil Gaiman was going to come write an episode for Doctor Who. Uh, And I loved the doctor's wife so much. And so I, I was trying to compare it to that constantly. Uh, when I saw it the first time. And, you know, they're just very, very different. You just can't compare the two. They are apples and oranges. And yeah, th- this time I, I enjoyed it on its own merits and just had a great time. So do you think that the reason people are feeling negative against this or whatever negativity has built since 2013 to 2021 is that meaning it's not compared to other Cyberman stories per se, perhaps, is it the absence of the doctor's wife that makes it feel lesser? And there's no right or wrong answer to that. But just curious, what do you yeah. guys think? Clarence, what do you think? Well, I actually was going to turn it right back around on you guys and say, like, what was the critical reception of this episode? Do we know that? I looked earlier today, and for the most part, it received positive reviews. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, I never really could, until you guys mentioned it, I, I didn't even know who, who wrote the episode, so I never compared it. There you go. So I just k- kind of went in blind and took it for what it was. You know, once coming off of the last episode where the kids make the discovery, you know, we, we know you're a time traveler. <laughs> <laughs> we know you've been off in this blue box doing crazy things and we got pi- pictures as evidence and then we just get right into it no explanation we just as soon as the episode starts we're right into it so at that point i i i really i wasn't thinking about who wrote it or whatever i was just kind of in the story from that point so let's talk about i said the return of gaiman let's talk a little bit about the return of the cyberman lee in your opinion do these Cybermen scare you? Were they scary? Yeah, and a lot of times the Cybermen just are not scary, and they are they are supposed to be Doctor Who monsters. Um, these guys are scary. They're scary because they move ultra fast, which I think is a great idea. And I've always kind of liked the idea that they have this ancillary version of themselves, this this sort of infiltrator. Uh, and that, that was the idea of the Cybermats. But the Cybermats are still kind of clunky. They're kind of big. So now we have, as the doctor dubbed them, Cybermites. Um, yeah. They're super tiny. And instead of running up and biting you, they can swarm. Um, much the, scarier. Much that, scarier. To me, that is way scarier. <laughs> uh, and and when that moment where the doctor gets a handful of them thrown at him. Whee! Uh, yeah, that's scary to me. That's scary. As far as the depiction of the Cybermen in this episode, I I, I absolutely loved it. As I mentioned up top, it, it again, it almost gives them like this superhero type vibe. And as we see throughout the course of the episode at every 
obstacle that's presented in their way, they get this kind of internal upgrade, which, you know, who, I guess they're getting that from the brain power of the kids, I'm assuming. I'm not quite sure on that, but it's, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so whatever it is. Yeah. So, so the fast uh, Superman slash flash like speed, and, you know, being able to withstand some, you know, I guess the water, water that should have killed them. Um, just, I, I don't know. I just thought those were great touches and made them both. It made them like much more formidable, um, like a much harder thing to stop because of this, this way they can adapt. And, and not only in just, um, and not only in just some of the physical things they were doing, some of the intellect things they were doing as well in this episode, the whole thing by placing the head as a decoy. When has a Cyberman done that? You know, yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's thinking out of the box, you know, outside of the box. I, I just, they were just great in this episode. I, I don't know how the way to put it. <laughs> so my favorite part of seeing them do something was when the woman was about to run up behind him or her or the Cyberman, it, whatever, and t- it turned its head around. Yes. That that was cool. <laughs> Sniping from afar as well, you know, all this cool stuff, you know. Or or, or one of them dropping his hand off and the hand scuttles over it. Yes. Yes. That was cool. That was cool. <laughs> Man, and, and we've seen like at this point we've already seen the flying cybermen heads, right? At this point, I believe. We've seen heads do things. We've not seen cybermen fly yeah. yet. We will later. Spoilers, but uh, they oh, have not sorry. physically <laughs> flown yet. Right. But this is like they, they took all the cool, cool ideas they may have had laying around, and it seems like they put them in this episode, <laughs> which I just, you know, ate it up. Well, what I liked about it specifically was this was the first time in New Who that we, and correct me if I'm wrong here, guys, but because we may have in. Uh, a good man goes to war now that I think of it, but you had more reference and less look, uh, the look of Pete's world Cyberman. And you got mm. a different look Cyberman, the maybe more Mondazian or new version of Mondazian or whatever, but you didn't have that look that we saw in the parallel earth Cyberman that we got back in series two. That was my big thing. But we mentioned the children. So I want to ask you guys a trivia question. I'm going to steal something from last night's Discussing Trek, which is a trivia question. There is a story that we have reviewed from the classic era, which involved one of the Doctor Who enemies using a child as inspiration fertile ground or whatever what and and that's what they did in this episode what was the name of that classic story that we reviewed do you know Mm, so we've reviewed it yeah that did ring a bell i was like yeah we've that that idea has come up before but where do you remember what it was no no idea you don't you have no remembrance of what it but was. Remember, but remember was the that's that's a clue. Yes, Rem- and it's easy to forget the the, the girl in a Remembrance of the Daleks. But you're right. Hmm. Because hmm. remember, that's it was her. the creepy little girl, as we were calling. Yes, her. exactly. Yeah, the creepy little girl. Yeah. I think I think our minds probably folks focused and fixated off of Ace with the baseball bat. And that probably yes. just kind of erased <laughs> the little girl. But yeah, the little girl, sure. it, that is similar from the classic Remembrance of the Daleks. How about that? So before we move on and talk a little bit more about the children, I have one more trivia in relation to the Cybermen. At the end of the episode, we see a Cybermite floating in space. This harkens back seeing a lone cyber something at the end of a classic story 
what was that classic story that I am referencing? And hint, Ooh. we have also already reviewed it. You're probably talking about the tomb of the Cybermen when the Cybermat is left roaming around outside of the tomb. You are correct, my friend. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> you, you guys have a perfect score, one to one. Yay, woohoo. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So, next question. Children in space. Children in space. Yes. Question. Why didn't we see the whole conversation of, hello, doctor, I'm about, we know what you are. Oh, I'm going to take you into space. Why didn't we see it? Did we need to see it? Did you want to see it? Did it even matter? Clarence, what do you think? I like the fact that we jumped right into it. I mean, I guess we could have saw it, but I don't know if it had much, you know, changed the story much at all. I just kind of like the fact that we start the episode and we see them stepping off the TARDIS. And we already got to set up in the last episode of the... <laughs> They weren't really blackmailing Clara at that point. They were just like showing her that we know who you are and what you've been doing. So my assumption is that as kids do with their parents all the time. Uh, well, I don't know if they do this or that. Well, but they basically blackmailed the babysitter, <laughs> so to speak. Like, we're going to tell on you if you don't, you know, take us on an adventure. And I could see that going down uh, in that fashion. So I'm I'm kind of glad we jumped right into it. Not really necessary. Lee, what do you think? Yeah, the same. I I, I like that uh, aspect of the storytelling because, yeah, we we knew this was going to happen. It's happening. So, yeah, onward. (laughs) So what did you think, Lee, of the children and how they were portrayed? Uh, Realistically, I think. I think they they seem like uh, real people to me. it, it would be real easy to hunker down on this. I'm bored. All this is stupid. You're stupid uh, thing. And we do spend a lot of time there, but um, there, there's a point at which that's not who they are anymore. And they, they when, when um, the emperor is turning the gravity on and off, <laughs> you know, and they're, <laughs> and they're getting to fly. Um, yeah. They're, they then, uh, have to conceal the fact that they're having a great time and because they got to be cool. And um, <laughs> yeah, that's that that rings very true to me. Awesome. So, Clarence, what about you? How did you like their portrayal? Uh, I agree with everything Lee said. I thought they were fun. Um, I like that Angie was kind of inquisitive. She always seemed to be very aware of the situation. And kind of um, thinking three steps ahead in, 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 in a few of the situations. Like, oh, that's who that is. You didn't know? You know, stuff like mm-hmm. that. So I thought that was kind of cool. I, I do think there were some questionable parts of when the doctor and Clara just left these kids <laughs> in, in, on this planet while they go investigate stuff. Couldn't they have yeah, left them out. in the TARDIS or something? I don't but, was, but, <sighs> but, but the question there becomes, would this have been less dangerous. Oh yeah, I guess it is a point, uh, a good point. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. I guess we just saw how dangerous the TARDIS can be. So what do you think? Yeah. Lee? Yeah. That, that kind of bugged me too, but you know, I, it, it is interesting that in why I watched this episode, uh, two and a half times ish. Okay. <laughs> And one of the things I thought on, on one of my recent rewatches was I thought he seems awfully comfortable, you know, just trusting these children that they're going to be able to take care of themselves. And then I remembered he's a thousand years old. I, mm. we're, we're all children to him. Right. I mean, does he really see a difference between. Um, a 12 year old and Clara. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. so the, that's, that's real, real important to us, but I'm not sure he can really perceive <laughs> the difference <laughs> from his perspective. But to put it in perspective, that would be like us looking at a child who is three and a child who is four and sitting there and trying to, say, okay, the difference between a child at three and four is... Yes. Right. 
Excellent point. Yeah. Yeah, I always remember a Peanuts cartoon when uh, uh, Linus has first learned that Sally, that Charlie Brown's little sister, has a crush on him. And he says, uh, you know, I, I, I can't say that I like her. I didn't even like little girls. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm two years older than she is. I'm three years older than she is, actually. And he says, I mean, good grief. When I'm 93, she'll only be 90. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he blunders right into making it irrelevant right <laughs> so oh man but that is so true i mean i have cousins that are just a couple of years older than me yeah. and when i was like 12 or 13 i thought they were like just grown you know oh, that's right yeah, yeah. yeah. well but, the, uh, but but again goes back to perspective think of it when we were 5 10 12 mm-hmm. 15 Time moved so much slower. Yes. Yeah. You know, and now, you know, we look at it and I can remember when we first started the pandemic and that's literally well over a year and a half almost ago. I think it was 15 years ago. But, uh, you know, before long, it will be. Seriously. (laughs) I mean, I mean, I mean, it's a joke, but. Hooray. Yeah. You know, (laughs) and we're still 15 years later talking about Nightmare in Silver. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Because we went back to Unearthly Child and did it all again. Yes, yes, yes. yes. By that time, you know, we will be in, they will have done a remake and said that it's the Unmoonly Child. I don't know. But I, I do know that I want to talk about Clara, Clara, Clara. I want to know what, and Lee, I'm going to actually start with you this time. Clara, Clara, Clara. What did you think about Clara this episode? This is, this is one of Clara's finest hours, I think. And in fact, my favorite scene, I'll go ahead and tell you, is this moment of Clara being the general in charge of the troops, the, these, these uh, misfits, and her using creativity instead of brute force. You know, what's that cable? <laughs> What would happen if you put it in the moat? Do it. Do it. You know? She's so good. And and her being challenged by the woman who is, you know, got the uniform and the badge. And this moment of the two of them just locking eyes. And the way Jenna Coleman plays it is she's not going to blink. It's it's very powerful. And it's a great insight into how that character thinks. It's like, okay, I... I know what's going to happen. This right here is the moment where I'm either going to win or lose. I'm going to win. And she mm. does. She does it. It's fantastic. I agree 100% with what Lee said. Um, you know, the way she is, you know, it's one thing for the doctor to wave his his paper and his psychic paper and yeah. <laughs> and jump into a role and command to be respected as whatever the person said they are once they saw the psychic paper. Mm-hmm. But to see Clara do it and do it with authority and the way she was uh, like Lee mentioned the water and the moat, but the way she manages, you know, talking about the weapons and really getting into it like, whoa, is, does she really do this? <laughs> you know, yeah. I, uh, The way she commanded them, I just thought was 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 excellent. And yeah, that was one of my favorite things in this episode, seeing her performance. To, to jump in and you know it seemed like it I don't know I guess she Jenna Coleman's is a great actor but it seemed like it would have been challenging for her to jump in to to just flip it on and and be this in charge person which she pulls off brilliantly so uh hats off to her and some of the performances from her in the very end with the emperor also were equally as <laughs> as yeah. touching and 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 well acted so she just showed out in this episode so I will continue and say that I totally agree with everything the two of you said. I will take it one step further since you've get heaped praise on Jenna Coleman, which, again, I totally 100% agree with everything. But just like Russell T. Davies, minus a deep breath that I will have to take at some point in regards to Clara, I say kudos to Stephen Moffat. Because with Clara, 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 he did choose well in how he wrote this because knowing what is coming later, this is a good example 
of laying that foundation. And I think maybe the first good example of laying that foundation of what Clara will, or the potential Clara has, I'll put it that way. That said, she did a bang-up job on it. It was so authoritative. She just stepped right into it. Kudos, 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 both her and Stephen Moffat, hands down. Yeah, agreed. So when we're talking about acting, let's talk a little bit about Matt Smith. And I'm going to call this the two faces of 11. Clarence, (laughs) the two faces of 11, this duality that Matt Smith got to play. What were your thoughts? He's able to pull this off, but I don't see how it, it had to be very tough. And you alluded to it with the two faces. I loved how in some of the scenes he kind of have, has this cybernetic implant on one side of his face. So you also get the visual of when he's facing one way versus the other of appearing to be a different person, but just, the way he's able to wrestle with himself, uh, I just thought really worked in this episode. I, I could definitely have seen that falling flat for somebody else, you know, but being Matt Smith, he's able to, we talk about it all the time, how he's able to turn on a dime, but he's just doing it back and forth, back and forth in this, in this episode. Really loved it. I even love the little dream sequence kind of aesthetic to where they're kind of just standing facing each other, hammering it out. <laughs> so definitely a hard job for him in this episode. And I think, I think he pulled it off, you know, great performance. All right. Lee, what say you, what did you think? Yeah. I think as all of us who are fans of uh, science fiction, fantasy genre, when you see this situation, you have to think of Andy Serkis getting to do it in uh, the Lord of the Rings. We okay. see that there's some of, there's some of Smeagol still in, Gollum, <laughs> that they are at eternal war with one another. So, um, and the way Peter Jackson presented that on screen was, you know, to have a sort of Smeagol facing one way and Gollum facing the other, you know, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it cut back and forth those two aspects of his personality. So we we got a, they treated that somewhat this this the same way in this struggle between the Eleventh Doctor and the Cyber Planner, mm-hmm. Mr. Clever. Which was quite clever. Uh, it was clever, <laughs> and uh, yeah, but yeah, it, yeah. Just hats off to uh, to Matt Smith. It is uh, uh, because part of part of the thing is that not only does he have to change back and forth very quickly because it's TV and we got to keep this going, but the whole point here is that these are two mighty brains and they're trying to beat each other with with sheer processor power. So it all. Just it, the logic is that this all has to happen super fast. Yeah. And so the way the way he has to talk, playing both of those characters is, I, I, you know, the most often asked questions about actors, uh, the, the people will always say, how do you learn all those lines? And I'm an actor, but I'm going to say this. How did he learn all those lines? Because <laughs> it's, it's just a staggering feat of uh, performing for television. So. I was going to ask about the chess battle. I don't know if I'm getting too far ahead of you. If I am, stop me, Cal. What, what did you guys think about that in this episode as being kind of their uh, point of challenging each other is to have this chess game? Uh, it almost felt like, oh, let's have a dance battle to, <laughs> to <Yeah>. hammer it out. <laughs> except, except that would have been so much more visual. You know, that would have been <laughs> a lot more interesting to watch. Yeah, I think um, people solving problems by by playing chess is always uh, problematic on stage or screen. It's just it's just not that interesting to watch, you know. The, the, one of the exceptions I can think of is uh, in the, the Harry Potter universe. The, uh, the chess pieces are life size, and, <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and they are killing each other. You know. Now that's interesting. Mm. See, I thought more so are less of the chess. Chest, chest, not chest. <laughs> I told you my my brain. We always think about the chest. My, my brain. I told you is fried. The uh, the the I thought less about the game that they were playing, and the more maybe of the game meant nothing. This was a distraction. Hmm. Mm. It, this, it isn't the central point of of the the conflict. That's true. 
Yeah, it, it was interesting uh, as a device. And interesting to learn the Time Lords invented chess. This little, oh, I didn't catch that. Hmm. Little trivia tossed out there. Yeah, the doctor said, this is our game. <laughs> <laughs> well, they are good at moving, you know, uh, <laughs> operatives around on the, yes. the table. So, you know, they're yeah. quite good at so that. It's not a surprise. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Manip- but speaking of Time Lords... One of the things that I did have a little bit of problem wrapping my head around hearing this, and I'm sure we're going to hear similar things like that in the future, which was the cyber controller, the Mr. Uh, Magic or whatever his name was, he, uh, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Clever, made a reference to he's had 10 rejigs, okay? You've regenerated... 10 times per se. Okay, I get that, and you know, but that doesn't always fit. Right. And I hate, and I hate, I, I hate, and I really do hate it. I mean, it's, I know that's a hard word, but I hate whenever I go back and watch something and there's something that comes in the future that can't easily slide <laughs> into that. But. Those are revelations he doesn't know about, though. Wouldn't the cyber controller, with all of its infinite knowledge, be able to biologically see? Well, it think it thinks the doctor doesn't exist because the doctor's been erasing himself from time. Good, good point. Good point. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's the explanation we have to lean on here. So, good point. Good point. Wish you hadn't said it, so I could still have been on my <laughs> tangent, but I can't. I cannot argue a good point. So, good point, and a great excuse for uh, him to to demonstrate to them that he's had these other lives, so that we got to glimpse the previous doctors there. For yes, so always look, always like things like that, and loved hearing so. fantastic Alonzi. That was uh-huh. really really cool, and. He says of his brain, or the Mr. Clever says of the doctor's brain, he's had some cowboys in here. And I said, <laughs> and I, I laughed. I said, ah, that's just like, uh, uh, oh, wait, who says that? One okay, of them trivia did. question. Yeah. I, I believe it uh, I was our friend, the doctor. <laughs> yeah. But I think I, it was thought, a 10. Yeah. But I don't remember when. I'm thinking, yeah, I, I, I thought of River Song. She, I don't think she's the one who says it, but it's like it's a, it's a story that has River in it. So I don't know. Anyway, but, um, hmm. okay, somebody, somebody write to us and tell us why that was familiar, the line. He's had some cowboys in here. Indeed. But let's not talk about cowboys. Let's instead talk about emperors. When oh, did man. you guys pick up or did you pick up on the fact that not the emperor's new clothes, the emperor's new role <laughs> was something not emperorish? Thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was going to talk about the actor a little bit, but Please. seeing Warwick Davis in this. Now, I'm not the biggest Willow fan, but he's great in other stuff I've seen. <laughs> They're actually doing a new Willow shooting now, yes. I believe. Yeah, they um, are. Yeah. For, for Disney Plus. But yeah, I felt like this episode was just like almost a love letter to him as an actor. He gets so many great points in this episode. Uh, I mean, we could get into a little bit of the character, but it was just great seeing seeing Warwick Davis get this this shine as kind of this undercover person on this planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I loved every moment we had with him on screen. And even getting the moment with Clara at the end. Oh, you devil. I'm so jealous. <laughs> exactly. Well, she, you know, she, she legit turned him down, but. Uh, I would like to be turned down by Jenna well, exactly. Cole. I'm yeah, saying that's that. right. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot your shot. He was you know still right. Yeah, that's right. He was still <laughs> this close. Yeah. No, it is. I, I, I'm so glad you brought that up because that was one of my big notes here is how great to see Ward Davis, who uh, is. A Doctor Who actor, because he's in this episode, who who is who adds yet another person from the Harry Potter film franchise to cross over into Doctor Who, and of course mm-hmm. he has been making his living in uh, Star Wars, 
in the uh, the, the the film of uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. He was yeah. um, he was Mar- yeah. he was Marvin, although uh, Alan Rickman was uh, the voice. But uh, that whole physical performance is Warwick Davis, and you know his credits just go on and on. And I just he's just terrific, and because he's three foot six, that tends to be what you see. You know, but this episode calls attention to his face. Yes. And we see the face of the statue. And maybe if you're paying attention, even subliminally, you're going, that's interesting. <laughs> so mm-hmm. so the camera really in this, the way they're telling this story, really focuses on him. And you get to see what a handsome man he is. Yeah. It's, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just I'm so glad you brought it up, Clarence, because, yeah, he gets he gets all these great lines. He has these great moments that he plays brilliantly. And um, there's a little moment when I watch, was watching this for the third time that to where one of the uh, soldiers uh, gives him an order and he just gives the guy a look like, do you know who I Oh No, you don't know him. OK, you, know, you, you can see the whole thing go in his head. But it was it's so just, subtle. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I just he's just. Terrific. Well, I love the fact, uh, number one, because how young was he when he was in Empire Strikes Back, right? He was 11. Oh, was that how old he was? Re- Re- Return of the Jedi, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, Return of the Jedi, yes. Yeah. Well, so he was a, literally a kid when he was playing one of the Ewoks. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. He was literally young. Okay, cool. So that being said, I love the fact that you guys were saying that when they did show him that they did focus on the face, they focused on the acting and they didn't take a light way out or a wrong way out or whatever way out and make some of the story be about the, be about the fact that he was smaller in stature. What I, what I loved about it, other than the statue that you got that they mentioned near the end, I didn't even notice the statue until they mentioned it, but yeah. maybe I just missed it while I was watching. But you never, I never got the sense. I mean, I, we, of course, we know that he's small, but I never got the sense of it in the way he played the character, his acting performance. I just thought he stood tall, you know, I, yeah. I, maybe taller than I've ever seen him in anything else in this That's role. Right. I loved it. I was thinking that a lot of what we've seen him do have, have been sort of uh, broad characters. It's funny, the only term I can think of is bigger than life, <laughs> which is interesting yeah. to say about somebody who's 3'6". But, you know, Professor Flitwick or whoever or, you know, any of those uh, those characters, they're always sort of cartoony. But um, Porridge is a is a reg- is a real guy. He's a regular guy. Yeah. So so in a way, this is like maybe this is why it feels like it's Warwick Davis's finest hour, because he he's really getting to play somebody serious. Right. He's actually mm-hmm. being able to act, not yeah. create a creature or a right. Or right. A fanciful just a- character. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I didn't notice the thing about the statue either. It was, I guess, it was me watching it the second or third time this week when I noticed that Angie, who's just been given the the Emperor Penny, that she stops and looks back at the the statue and she holds up the penny. She's comparing the face on the the penny with the statue. And she just has this little little moment of, hmm, Hmm. that's interesting. And then then later on, there's a shot of her just staring at Parge like, Mm. <laughs> you know, she's putting it Way together. Way to go, Angie. Yeah. yeah. So for me, it, I did notice it, but the only reason I noticed it was because one of the few things I did remember from this episode was the fact that this guy that we didn't know was the emperor was the emperor. So that was my one <laughs> remembrance other than knowing Matt Smith had this monologue with himself. Those were the two things, and that was it. And that's why I think I noticed it. Yeah, and also the the sacrifice, well, the almost, you know, bad decision that he had to make, because I, I feel like he was, of course, he could have used his power to set off the desolator at any point by just speaking. Mm-hmm. But I feel like he was such a caring emperor slash person <laughs> that he was trying to let it play out and see if the doctor could save himself and save the kids, you know, because because it seemingly any moment he could have just save the you know save the rest of the world by saying those words to 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 detonate the desolator but he waits as long as he can and i'll detonate the desolator (laughs) anyway that was cool absolutely cool so gentlemen 
I have run out of notes. So my question now has to be, do either of you have any other items on your list that we have not touched on yet? Oh, here I come to your rescue. (laughs) (laughs) You familiar with the Mechanical Turk? Um, Yeah, that's that Amazon thing, right? Yeah, (laughs) that's right. (laughs) Yeah, there are a number of uh, things these days called uh, the Mechanical Turk. uh, But um, uh, the original one was um, often spoken of as being one of the first automatons because... Uh, because it was it was built that way. This is a machine marvel, and people can come and play chess with this. Uh, this later we would call that a robot. Um, mm. the, the mechanical Turk had a had a little guy in there who was actually doing the chess moves, and you know that was the big the big secret of the mechanical Turk. It really wasn't a super smart automaton at all. And now here's a, a gutted Cyberman. And he's playing chess with people, and uh, that's that's yeah. part of the big uh, the big deal. And he's got Warwick Davis in him doing. <laughs> 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 oh, hello! Yeah, give me a handout. Yeah. Great shout out to the Mechanical Turk, and it's Neil Gaiman. Of course, is a very literate guy. I feel like he has to know. Um, this is a story about robots, about cyborgs, really. But y- you got to touch on the the robot stuff. Right now, there's somebody working on um, producing my adaptation of R.U.R., the play that gives us the word robot, uh, which is in its centennial year this year. It was 1921. And uh, one of the moments in that play is uh, where they come up with an electrical cable and they run it out through a window and attach it to the, the scaffolding of the building. And as the robots come in and try to press up against the, uh, the building, they're all electrocuted. Um, oh, yeah. So I thought, coincidence? I don't know. That's kind of interesting. <laughs> but uh, it makes for a great moment in this in this episode. Yeah. Also, Warwick Davis, um, w- watching this again for the first time in years, there's this actor who came on screen uh, and I said, I don't know this actor, but he, but he kind of looks like my brother-in-law. That's weird. Mm. Uh, Webley. And I said, except younger. Wait a minute. I was watching something the other day where I said, hey, that actor looks like my brother-in-law. Oh, who is this? It's uh, it's Jason Watkins as Webley there. Today, Jason Watkins, look him up. He has had the most amazing, amazing uh, career, especially on the stage. He is one of Britain's most beloved actors for the stage. And mm-hmm. he has done a lot of TV shows and movies, too. So uh, even though it's not a big deal being made of it here. It's kind of a prize that this episode also has Jason Watkins on it and he gets upgraded. It's very scary. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Right now, um, Jason Watkins is Dodds of McDonald's and Dodds, which is um, if we were going to ask for uh, recommendations of TV shows, I would tell everybody to be watching McDonald's and Dodds. If you have BritBox or one of those accesses to British TV shows, it's a, it's a, it's another cops and robbers show, but um, his character is um, um, kind of an older guy who has lived his life in the library, basically, and so it, you feel like he doesn't have any street smarts, none. So they put it, they keep putting him in these dangerous situations or trying to solve these these brutal murders of you know these kind of things, and they think, well, he's not going to be any help, and then he'll go to the library and come back with something <laughs> that nobody else knew. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> yeah, he's he just he's super smart, and uh, yeah, and McDonald is his partner, and she is um, uh, just continually uh, fascinated by him and fed up by him, fed up with him, you know. Um, the the typical moment that I loved, uh, I, I know we're getting off topic, is that uh, <laughs> she says something about uh, uh, he's humming to himself, and she says, uh, you know, don't don't sing, all right? I just can't, you know. I mean, if you were really good, it would be different. And he Ooh. says, oh, I th- I thought I was, and she says, well, you're not Beyonce, and he just <laughs> stares at her, and she says, you're kidding me. No, but you do know who Beyonce is. And he says, how could um, you not? <laughs> It's just, oh wow! That—that's a typical conversation for them. Oh, you're not going to tell me you don't. Know. <laughs> oh man, I love them. Anyway, I just think he's <laughs> great, Jason Watkins, and here he is as poor Webley, who um, it doesn't end well for him. But anyway, that's all the notes I got. Yeah, I have a few uh, up top when when uh, we see the Cybermen playing chess, as Lee mentioned. It was called the 699th Wonder of the Universe. 
only here to yes. destroy you at chest. <laughs> that, was, that was freaking amazing. Also, we um we we find that this pl- platoon is banished to this planet, which we learned in Siberiad. But you know, they're almost a, the lower decks of their army, I guess. <laughs> they're yeah. just bad. They just get sent here to you know do some stuff that nobody else wants to do. So I thought that was pretty cool. And I also thought that the castle. Which I'm guessing this is some amusement park planet is kind of what I pieced together. Um, but the castle, they almost had like their Game of Thrones-esque uh, battle at Winterfell type thing <laughs> in this episode, which I really, really liked. And um, yeah, I thought some of the CG with the yeah. the way they did the the multitude of Cybermen outside of the, the, the gate, I just thought that was um, done really well. And the great, great visual cg visual there so loved all those things awesome that was that was terrifying what that was just straight up terrifying oh yeah (laughs) all right so gentlemen what was your favorite quote oh i'm sorry my brain died uh favorite okay gentlemen what what was your favorite quote and clarence i'm going to start with you favorite quote uh, I want to take one of these. Might be handy. Porch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Referring the to the hand. A big smile. Yes. Yeah. Might Great pun. <laughs> Alrighty. Lee, what was your favorite quote? Just as uh, you remembered that this is the episode where uh, Matt Smith sort of has the, uh, the, the amazing uh, dialogue with himself. One of the things I remembered about this episode was this is the one where Clara says, do you think I'm pretty? And he says, no, you're too short and bossy and your nose is all funny. Mm. Mm. Uh, Which is good yeah. because that proves to her that that's really him. And it's <laughs> <laughs> like, how dare you, doctor? <laughs> how dare you? He just doesn't get it. Awesome. All right. Favorite. Oh, favorite quote from me. I do not have one because like I said at the top of the episode, internet issues, brain fried, delete, delete, delete. Favorite scene. (laughs) I will tell you my favorite scene since I did not have a favorite quote. I will say my favorite scene was part of the Cybermen waking up because it did give me that brief reminiscence of Tomb of the Cybermen. Yeah. So that was my favorite scene. Favorite scene, Lee Shackelford. What was yours? I mentioned, as I mentioned before, Clara being in charge of the troops and uh, using creativity instead of brute force. What, what's that cable for? You know, just <laughs> do it. She's great. The scene at the end where the emperor is talking to Clara and he says, Clara, will you marry me? <laughs> then the doctor almost jumps in to stop the conversation and she's like, I got this. I got this, man. Like, I don't want to be a ruler of all those galaxies. I'm good. <laughs> oh, that's just, that's a great scene. Awesome. Awesome. She's, she can handle herself. All right. So final rating. Clarence, I'll start with you. Final rating. 4.5 Cybermites. All right, 4.5 Cybermats, mites, not mites, mites. Lee Shackelford. Oh, I was going to use Cybermites, but I'm going to give it 4.5 golden tickets. Mm. Oh, that can short circuit a cyber brain. Yeah, because <laughs> apparently it's made of real gold. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. So, you say so. You said 4.5, right? Yeah. All right. So we have a 4.5 and a 4.5. I'll add those together and multiply them. Well, add those together, then divide them by two and give my 4.5. What did that multiplication have to do with anything out of five? So <laughs> okay. 4.5. Yeah. <laughs> Can I give a quick honorable mention quote? Sure. Go for it. So at the very end, the doctor says, impossible girl, a mystery wrapped in an enigma squeezed in a skirt that's just a little bit too tight. Which I what thought would you? be your quote to start with. <laughs> just saying. That just had me smiling at the end. I'm like, oh. <laughs> All right. He says he's not human. 
<laughs> so with that being said, one final question. Lee, what are you watching, reading, or where else might you be found on the internet? McDonald and Dodds. Check it out. Awesome. Clarence Brown. There you go. What say you? I recently binged The Mayor of Easttown on HBO Max, and I think it also just won an Emmy, or one of the actors won an Emmy. I think several of the actors won an Emmy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but great series. You should check it out. Kind of a slow burn at the very beginning, but uh, I I really enjoyed it. So, The Mayor of Easttown. It's not about a horse, right? No. (laughs) I didn't know. Okay. I'm just asking. The main character's name is Mayor. Ah. Okay, I didn't yes. know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Green Hornet's not about a hornet either. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Mr. Ed of East Town, Cal. I didn't know. I thought it might have been a zebra. Who knew? That's right. <laughs> but if it was or a somebody zebra. Who's, somebody who's taken too much uh, ivermectin. So. Hey, but you know what? <laughs> if it was a zebra... I bet yes. its name would be Greg. Greg. Yes. So for me, I'm happy that Vera, the new season, series, season, whatever you want to call it, of Vera yeah. is back. And that's cool because I'm letting a few episodes build up before I start watching the new season. So, yes. Good. Awesome. Happy, happy, happy. Brett Box as well. So that's pretty much it from my fried, Kentucky fried, Mississippi fried brain. So for everyone listening, thank you for listening. And if you hear people whispering, then you know why, because I think the whisper men are coming because our next episode is the name of the doctor. Woohoo. Can't wait. (laughs) So. With that, everyone, thank you for joining us, and we will be back next time. You've been listening to The Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com. 